Housepin HQ podcast episode 8. This, this, this is the Housepin HQ podcast. Strategies, techniques, and inside secrets of house flipping from today's top house flipping experts. House flipping, house flipping HQ. Your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Now let's get flipping with your host Justin Williams. Hey. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the House Flipping HQ podcast, where not only do we teach you how to flip houses like a madman or woman, but how you can create your own house flipping machine, a business that will work for you and not just require you to work for it. I hope you've all had a fantastic week. I know we have. We put a couple houses under contract last week. Friday was my birthday. My wife took me to Laguna Beach. We stayed there overnight, had a great time. Then on Saturday, I met with one of my favorite wholesalers. Uh, We talked about how we could really take things to the next level. And it's just been a great, great week until I realized the audio for Danny Johnson's interview. I don't know. It's not working. I can't get it. I don't know how to get it. I sent it to Mark, my guy who does all my tech backend, everything. Mark's amazing, by the way. I always just call him my, uh, my web guy, and uh, I just want to make sure he knows. I think he, he's awesome. So, Mark, you're awesome, for the record. And uh, he can't seem to get it either. So I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep working at it. Danny, sorry about this. I haven't even yet to call Danny yet. I'm going to have to call him here in a little bit and let him know. Um, so I'm totally bummed about that. He talked all about wholesaling. Um, I will either recover that or I will talk to Danny and we'll get another interview set up. So I'm totally bummed about that. But I'm super, super excited because I've decided I'm just going to interview myself. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to interview myself, but I'm going to walk you through more of my journey, tell you more about how I got involved in this business, my story, and what we are currently doing today in our business. And at the end, uh, I'm going to tell you a little more about why um, I've created House Hoping HQ. As I touch base more on how we run our business and things that we are currently doing and systems that we have, I will make mention of some of the forms and resources that we use in our business. And I know I'm going to get some emails from some of you guys asking, hey, can I get that form? Can I get those forms you mentioned? So what I've decided to do is I'm going to go ahead and make an additional link at houseflippinghq.com slash forms, and you will be able to get all those resources. So when you hear me talking about something, you can just go get it there. So um, once again, that will be at houseflippinghq.com slash forms. Forms needs to be in lowercase. It's for some reason, the system is sensitive to that. So keep that in mind. Now, unlike most other podcasts, I try to do my interviews pretty close to the time when you're going to be listening to them. I've had many of my uh, fellow podcasters who think I'm crazy for doing this. Uh, Mark doesn't seem to love it. In fact, I think I just got an email from him saying, hey, you should at least have, you know, five interviews in the can ready to go so we don't have to deal with this stuff. But you know what? Sorry, Mark. Uh, This is me letting you know that's not going to happen. I just... I don't know. I'd love to do an interview and get it out to you as soon as I can. I just think that although uh, these interviews are timeless and they'll have a ton of value down the road as you listen to them again and again, I just feel like the sooner I can get you the most live content that's most pertinent to today, to exactly what is going on today, I just think there's the most value in that. And that's the way I like to run my show. So if anything, uh, you know, you'll be getting content even closer to real time. And I just think that's so important, especially in real estate, as our market is always changing, as the business is changing. I want to get you that content fresh, as fresh as I possibly can. So that's just how we roll. And uh, sometimes, you know, things like this happen and you might just get me. So uh, whether that's good or bad, that's what we're going to be doing today. Okay. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you myself. Woo! 
Okay, so many of you know a little bit about my background and you know how I got involved in real estate. But a lot of people don't know more about my background from when I was younger, how I grew up. So I grew up, I was born in Idaho, Idaho boy, and uh, you know we moved around a lot when I was younger. Uh, my dad uh, was a superintendent and he was occasionally, he would get laid off and would move from house to house. And we eventually ended up in Southern California. And from second grade on, I grew up basically in Mariloma, California, Riverside area. And overall, I, I had a great life. I had great parents. They raised me well, taught me well. Uh, but nothing was necessarily ever given to me. You know, there were six kids in our family. My parents, although they started, you know, got into a couple MLMs and things like that, they were never incredibly uh, entrepreneurial. It wasn't like I was born and just said, hey, this is what you should do. Go start business. And, you know, this is what the path you need to go down. From a young age, um, I'd like to say I was a hard worker. I don't know that my parents would agree as far as, you know, when they asked me to do work around the home and stuff like that. But I always was more than happy to do whatever it took to, to earn a little bit of extra money. When I was six or seven years old, my cousin and I would go and buy, you know, cost candy from Costco and would make uh, little blow darts and slingshots. Like I can picture it right now. I picture one. There's a black slingshot we made and, you know, hot pink or hot colors were in style at the time. And, uh, and hot pink writing, we wrote hot shot on it and, uh, you know, sold that for a few bucks and was just always looking for ways to make money. I would go to work with my dad when I was about eight or nine and there was a landscaper that would pay me $3 an hour. Don't, don't report this to anybody. It probably, uh, you know, some kind of law against child labor, but. <laughs> I would work for this guy for three bucks an hour. And from that, I would take the money and I would use that to buy rabbits and lovebirds, which I would then breed and raise and hand feed and, and sell. And so I always had this entrepreneurial type mindset, even from a very young age. After graduating high school, I went on a two-year mission for my church, which was an, an incredible experience in and of itself. And then when I got back, I attended BYU, Brigham Young University, on a football scholarship, which was uh, another great experience. Many people are a little surprised when they ask me what I majored in. And I actually recall going to the business school and talking to one of the counselors about what would be involved in getting a business degree and then what the workload would involve after that. And it, it just did not sound very fun or realistic uh, with my football schedule and what I would need to do at business school and still try to have somewhat of a social life. And believe it or not, I decided to actually uh, go into physical education, PE. You know, I played football, something I enjoyed. And kind of my thought process at the time was, you know, I'll uh, become a, a coach and then I can do some kind of business on the side. I always had an idea of that I wanted to do something in real estate. I thought, you know, I can buy houses on the side and eventually, you know, create the whole cash flow thing. Uh, you know, I had read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was actually just after I finished high school. And so I had the whole, you know, get out of the rat race mentality type thing in my mind. I thought, you know, I could be a PE coach and then eventually maybe become a principal and then on the side invest. And, um, you know, that's kind of the thought, my thought process. And it also, you know, occurred to me that you know, maybe I could start a business along the way or, or whatnot. In the summer of 2003, uh, Tara and I got married. Uh, my amazing wife who has been super supportive through all my crazy business ventures. And very shortly thereafter, we started a satellite dish business. We were uh, satellite dish retailers for a dish network. And basically, I, you know, I had been doing door-to-door sales with different retailer for dish network for quite some time. And I had also done, you know, some timeshare presentations, uh, not timeshare presentations, but I would send people to timeshare presentations. And so I'd been doing, you know, some sales on the side and I realized, hey, this is a pretty good way to make money as a student uh, going to college. And eventually I realized, hey, I can probably make even more money doing this on my own. So I, we started our satellite dish business. Um, I would go door to door selling on my own. I also recruited my brother to help me out and a couple other guys that would go every once in a while. I had a couple installers and, you know, things were going good. And I thought, you know, I want to take this to the next level. And I thought of the one partner that I would want to have that 
I knew this guy could really help me take things to another level. So I found him. It wasn't easy, but I found him. He agreed to be my partner. We got going. We got an office space, got a lot of overhead. We were going to create this summer program of sales reps that would go door to door. And, you know, it wasn't tried and true method. Other companies had done the same thing, whether it be, you know, Dish Network or, you know, you've got the bug guys, the pest control guys that probably come to your house uh, or um, alarm system guys. So we were going to create this massive team of door-to-door salesmen that were going to go door-to-door and sell satellite dish. I mean, this was the time when Dish Network was, uh, you know, pretty kind of bumping and pretty popular. And uh, we were going to go and, and sell it. And just, you know, we had a plan that we were going to be making millions of dollars that summer. Unfortunately, it had been a few years since I had really um, associated with this guy, this partner of mine. And, you know, when I met him again after several years, he seems like he still had it, seemed really sharp. But as we started to work together, I mean, he would show up late, he would sleep in, uh, you know, he didn't have the ability to take on uh you can't have the credit to take on some of the debt that we were acquiring to start this new business and get things going. And one thing after another just was not really going the way you know we had planned. And his main job was to work with one of the uh, recruiting managers in recruiting these teams for the, for the summer. And as summer approached, it just these guys just weren't getting recruited. It just wasn't happening. And, you know, we were getting further and further into debt. We had some guys selling and it was offsetting some of our expenses, but we were just getting further into debt until one day I realized the summer program is not going to happen, at least not to the extent that we had planned. And my wife and I took a really good detailed look at where we were at and we realized we had, you know, $120,000 worth of debt, which was a lot for us at that time. And, you know, it was all in our name everything. This guy was just not doing his part. And we, you know, at the time we had a couple sales reps in, in Bakersfield that were also slacking. We ended up firing them. I let go of my partner. We had to let go of a lot of our staff. We had to let go of our lease. Uh, you know, we paid a little fee to get out of our lease, cut all the overhead and practically overnight within, you know, a few weeks, I headed off to Bakersfield, California from Utah, where we were. And, you know, my brother and my wife's brother were installers for us up there. And, you know, we just fired a couple of our sales reps and we just moved. We moved to far. We had our son, Brogan, uh, who was a you know baby at the time. And we got up, we moved to Bakersfield. We moved in with my brother, with my in-laws with another sales guy, another install. I mean, this house in Bakersfield was like a three-bedroom house. We had one of the rooms. Our son lived in the closet. It was wild. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. You know, it good, some good memories, but it was pretty crazy. We just did what we had to do. And, you know, we would wake up early, work on the administrative work. Then throughout the day, I would go selling. I trained my brother, who was an installer, there's another brother, so he hadn't yet done sales. He uh, didn't even think it was in him, but we trained him. He got going, started doing really well. I would go sell door to door every single day, sometimes in 110 degree heat in Bakersfield, got very hot and just did whatever it took. Come back at night, work late again on the administrative work. It was hard work. It was not a very uh, fun, uh, super enjoyable time of our life, just working our guts out, doing whatever it took. But, you know, after six months of really grinding it out, we were able to pay off all the debt, all $120,000 of the debt, as well as keep up with our monthly bills and expenses. And, you know, we soon started to get a little bit of a surplus. So it was pretty cool. However, I didn't want to keep living the same lifestyle. And, you know, I'd always wanted to get into real estate. And one day, one of my friends told me about this call about this guy who, you know, this free conference call. And, um, I listened to the conference call, this thing called short sells, which I didn't even know what a short sell was, but I listened to the call, thought it was amazing, thought he was super generous at the end for offering us a $2,000 course and boot camp that we could go to. We signed up. We were super pumped. Uh, my wife and I went went to the boot camp in Atlanta, Georgia, and you know, a lot of you know the story about you know we paid fifteen grand to pay for this guy's mentorship program. Later on, we found out he wasn't really uh, doing the business. We still learned enough to kind of keep things going. You know, he promised us a car we never got. 
And you know that's kind of how our real estate journey began. So although we got going right away after the seminar, started getting some deals in the pipeline, since we were doing short sales, it took several months to get any of those closed. So I believe it was about uh, six or months or so before we closed our first deal after the seminar. Around the same time, we actually had a guy in our satellite dish business who committed a lot of uh, identity theft and a lot of fraud as well, which I won't get into too many of the details, but that also cost us probably you know, hundred dollars to $200,000 um, in chargebacks and equipment costs that we were never able to recoup. But fortunately, you know, over those next couple years, we were able to do enough uh, real estate deals to help pay that off and keep us out of debt, keep us in the positive at least a little bit. And you know, it was tough, but we, we made it through those times. A couple years later, well, a couple years after moving to Bakersfield, we moved to Mission Viejo, California, which you know is where we started to become more familiar with a lot of the local real estate investment clubs and realized, wow, that there were a lot of great people out there teaching a lot of great, valuable content. And you didn't have to pay $10,000, dollars $30,000 uh, to some guru to get all this valuable education. Around the same time, I started to notice there were a lot of changes with, with short sales. When I started doing short sales, you know, it was basically you contact the, the seller, you work with them, you make an offer to the bank, you negotiate with the bank. I'm not saying it was easy, but things had changed so much uh, during that time. And I just felt like it was time for me to to adjust, to to try a new strategy. So we lived in Mission Viejo for about a year before we moved a little further inland to Winchester, California, also known as French Valley, you know, close by Marietta, Temecula area. And, you know, we lived there for three and a half years. And that's when we started getting more involved in retail rehab flips. Uh, I started working closely with a lot of you hear me talk about my friend Doug Van Seust, who we actually interviewed on episode two. And, you know, I worked with him a lot, making offers on REO properties. I started to learn a lot from Tony Alvarez, who you learned, heard from last week in last week's interview. Uh, other guys like Mike Cantu, who was the very first, when I went to that very first NSD REI uh, real estate club meeting in, in North San Diego, he spoke. I've learned a ton from him. I currently do a lot of business with him. And we also, uh, you know, I was working with my brother-in-law Tyson at the time. And, you know, we went to Ward Hannigan's uh, training on buying foreclosure properties. So that's when we started to learn about and started to get involved in buying properties uh, more off the MLS, REOs, or whatnot, as well as trustee sell properties at, you know, as they say, the, the courthouse steps. So things were going pretty good. I mean, it was kind of hard adjusting from different acquisition methods. And, you know, there was a little bit of a lull in our business during some of those times. But overall, you know, we were able to make a decent living, uh, pay the bills, pay off the debts that we had had. And, you know, Things were good. We were working really hard, but things were working out okay. Then at the end of uh, 2010, I decided, you know, this house flipping stuff and adjusting, it's, it's kind of tough. I thought, I heard a lot of people talking about this thing called financial freedom, you know, it's going around and, you know, where you have more passive income than outgo going out. So I thought, you know, I'm going to give this a stab. I'm going to try to become a landlord and try to acquire enough passive income to where I can pay my monthly payments on, on everything and no longer have to worry about where am I going to find the next house to flip? What if these things change? Things change up. You know, we'd gone through a lot of work at that time. And that was kind of a goal that, that I had at this time. So things started out great. I mean, it was a lot easier for me to buy a rental than a flip property because I didn't have to be quite as concerned about the flip numbers. As long as the rental numbers made sense, I you know, should be good to go. So over the course of about three months, I acquired around 10 to 12 rental properties, which was pretty fantastic. And I recall, you know, in the beginning of, you know, this was now 2011, going to, you know, ready to purchase that next property. I was doing trustee sales and I saw a house I wanted to buy and just not being able to buy it. I was out of my own capital. I was out of my private lender's capital. And I just, up until that point, I had the capital from myself or private money lenders to where we could buy these houses. And it just wasn't happening. I wasn't able to to buy it. I wasn't able to, to do anything. I was at a standstill. And you know, that taught me a good lesson about you know flow of capital and flow of money. 
and that, you know, it was being used up and there wasn't, even though I could go out and race some more, which was one of my plans, I wasn't turning around. So I wasn't able to continue to earn a continuous, to continue to turn that money and continue to earn a return on it. So I decided, you know, hey, I've got to flip some of these houses. I've got to sell some of these. And I looked at the numbers and I thought, you know, I think we can sell those and do okay on those, which when I purchased them, I wasn't thinking about that. I didn't look at them as a flip. I looked at them as a uh, a rental property. So that's what we did. We had about three houses we didn't yet have rented out and we sold those three and we did really well. The returns were phenomenal, even much better than what I'm even getting right now. And I was just kind of blown away and I started running these numbers and this light switch went off and I just realized, wow, you know, I can really buy a ton of these houses. It was kind of like shooting fish in a barrel I mean, they were lower end, not very expensive. So the Profits weren't necessarily huge, but the returns were phenomenal um, and much better, much, much better than anything I was even coming close to getting with my rental properties. With my rental properties, after all expenses, I had all this stuff figured out where I'd be making like $100 per property and over several years, you know, would have a few thousand dollars coming in and be able to pay for our expenses and, and life would be good. But I quickly realized that just by selling those two to three properties, I was able to make more money than we would have made several years down the road had we continued down this journey to keep all these rental properties. I mean, it wasn't even close. In fact, there was no way we would have ended up having that much monthly passive income. So I was able to raise a little more money so I can continue to buy these properties. And I also met an investor who, you know, pretty well-known investor who I approached and said, hey, how would you like to be one of my money partners? And we'll split the profits 50-50. You put up the money. I do all the work. And, you know, he was reluctant at first, but after driving around and checking out what I had done and seeing my systems and my plan, he he went for it. And uh, we did a lot of business together uh, in 2011. I ended up purchasing 60 homes in that one year, which was by far, that was more than I had purchased in the previous three and a half years combined. So being able to leverage that money and keep that money turning was huge. And during that time, we developed a lot of really great systems for rehabbing and financing and buying. That's not an exact order. I guess we'd be buying, uh, financing and rehabbing, as well as selling properties. And we just created a killer system. Uh, that's around well, three years ago. That's about the same time, actually, that I hired uh, Vanessa. I hired her when I started buying the rental properties, actually. And to this day, she is my right-hand gal. In fact, she basically runs my house flipping business for me. But we'll get into that a little more detail in just a bit. So that growth continued in uh, 2012, last year. And you know, we purchased over 100 homes, purchased right around 120 and then this year, we are on track to do 100. I'll be honest, at the beginning of the year, we once again adapted. We stopped buying trustee cells. We started buying much less on the MLS. We started doing a lot more direct marketing, direct mail, uh, and working with direct sellers. And we had another lull. I had a partner as well that, you know, things just didn't really work out there. And there's a lot of adjusting. Uh, we moved to uh, San Clemente, which was a huge blessing of, you know, having, you know, a couple of great years allowed us to, you know, purchase our dream home here in San Clemente. But all those things combined, you know, changing our strategy, not working with my partner anymore. And also the move. I mean, it was kind of stressful. I'll be honest, there were times when I was like, what is going on? Uh, you know, I didn't think we'd be purchasing nearly as many houses this year. But we you know, we are we'll we, we've really picked up these last uh, few months. And, you know, last month we bought more houses than we've ever purchased. Once again, uh, we went through that lull, but we adjusted, we adapted. And, you know what, we should be over 100 houses this year as well. Alrighty, well, I guess that brings us up to the present where we currently are. I'm going to tell you a little more about how we currently run our business today, how we're buying uh, financing, rehabbing properties, some of the systems that we use to run this house flipping machine, and what our current plans are, what our plans are, what our goals are, where we plan on going here in the near future and in the further future. So if you've uh, read you know, my blog on housewhippinghq.com, you'll know that I focus very much on what I call the four uh, house flipping pillars. And those are buying, financing, rehabbing and selling. 
to me, I mean, that's how you break down a housewarming business. That is what it consists of. Those could be basically your four categories of focus for creating a housewarming business. So for me, it all starts with buying. If you can't buy houses in this business, then forget about it. It's where you need to start your focus. Don't worry so much about the end until you're able to do the beginning. It's good to have an idea of where you might be going with that, but you don't need to know every single detail. So buying or acquisitions is where we put probably 85 to 90% of our focus uh, in our business. So let me talk about how we are currently buying houses. First of all, I try to let everybody know what I do, that I buy houses. I mean, you know, not everybody, like when I go to church, I'm not like shouting it from the rooftops or telling all my friends or anything weird like that. But, you know, I get in front of crowds. I'll go, this is probably the reason why I speak at meetings. Uh, realtors, you know, we're always letting realtors and other investors know that we buy houses, that we buy in high volume. This is also part of my reason for, you know, doing the House Hoping HQ podcast and my website. You know, I believe, like I've mentioned, I'm a strong believer in abundance. And by me sharing this information with everyone else, what has actually happened is it's caused our business to grow. And we've bought, like I said, even more houses in the past uh, month than we ever have before because of stuff like this. Okay, so getting back to buying. First off, before I dive into exactly how we buy, um, anyone out there, your number one priority in this business needs to be to learn how to evaluate a deal so that you know what it'll be worth when you sell it, which is called your ARV or after repaired value. You need to have a basic understanding of how to estimate repairs, which is not that difficult. And I lay that out in some of the posts I've done. We'll link to those in the show notes here. You also need to have a basic understanding of the costs involved so that you include all these expenses when you make your offer so that you know that you're making offers, which if you get those accepted, you can make a profit. Once again, in episode two with Doug Van Soost of the House of Being HQ podcast, we go over all that. Um, I also have a very detailed blog, which we'll link up to, goes over all of that. Make sure you understand that because that is key. Okay, so once you understand how to analyze properties to make offers that will give you a profit, you really, really need to focus on filling that acquisition funnel, that lead generation funnel that will bring you those deals that you can put under contract, and then you can decide whether you want to wholesale them or rehab them or whatever you wanna do. So it's not rocket science, but I am constantly working with Vanessa, my assistant, to figure out ways that we can widen that funnel, if you will, that we can continue to uh, increase ways that we can acquire these properties. So like I said, we are no longer doing trustee sales, but I do have a very detailed article on that. Uh, if that is something that you are interested in doing or learning more about, I would not begin there if you are new at this business, but this article is probably the most detailed uh, article on trustee sales I've ever read. So I am going to go ahead and include um, a PDF document of that on the link I mentioned to you at housewhippinghq.com slash forms. Now, although we are no longer doing trustee sales, we are still getting a pretty large amount of properties right off of the MLS. Now, I know inventory is kind of tight right now. And, you know, this is definitely one method that might be a little harder than it was in the past, but we're still buying several properties there uh, on a monthly basis. Now, I do most of that through a couple of real estate agents. You know, they have a certain area, the farm area that they focus on that they're very familiar with. I've trained them to know exactly what I'm looking for, to understand after repaired value, to understand the improvements we make on the home and to understand all the costs involved and know what where we need to be to make a profit. It is their job to make offers on every single property that comes up in their targeted farm area. They are required to call on all the houses, they make offers on them, they follow up on those properties, they build relationships with other agents in those areas and let them know about our company and that we're extremely motivated to buy these properties. So they're out constantly pushing to make offers on our behalf and to help us buy properties. Now, last year, you know, as we were trying to find these agents to work with, I tell you what, 
it wasn't super easy because you call an agent and you need to train them what you're looking for. Sometimes they don't understand <laughs> and you know they want to know your criteria. So we developed this uh, form that we just sent to them that tells them our criteria, lets them know what we're looking for. And I'm going to go ahead and include that as well. I debated including it, but I'm going to include that as well at the link that I mentioned, housewomenhq.com slash forms. So you guys can just have that and that'll be beneficial to you to send to these agents. And it's kind of a way that you can, rather than, it saves you about, let's say, half hour or so of talking to each agent. So you can contact them, let them know what you're trying to do, say, hey, I'm gonna send you this email. It'll give you a better idea and understanding. And then we can go from there. So it's a great training tool. Uh, and I hope you find that valuable. Another method we are currently using uh, to buy several houses is direct mail. And you know, I talk about this, I'm not gonna go into too much detail because we cover it uh, on the blog, we'll link up to that. But that's another great way to purchase homes directly from sellers. So go check out that blog. Uh, we talk about it on the House Being HQ podcast as well. And you know, direct mail or working directly with sellers is a great way to, to buy houses, especially in this current market. Now, many of you have probably heard the term wholesaling. In fact, I just finished an article two days ago uh, on wholesaling and how you can wholesale properties yourself, which is a great way to get involved in this business. Now, I used to hate working with wholesalers. I mean, there is a couple that I didn't mind every once in a while, but oh man, I was on these lists from these so-called wholesalers. I would get all this junk of all these emails of properties that were not evaluated properly or maybe came from like somebody who sent it to somebody who sent it to somebody. And it was just a big mess. I would spend hours and hours a day evaluating these properties in hopes of finding that deal, that one that was going to work out. And it was just a big, huge waste of time. And I wasted so much time. So I eventually unsubscribed from those guys. I didn't really want to work with wholesalers a whole lot. Didn't pursue it until lately. So recently, I don't know what it is, but I have purchased more wholesale properties in the past 60 to 90 days than I have in my previous six and a half years combined. Part of that is probably because the first three years I was wholesaling properties. And then after that, I was buying trustee sales. So I wasn't really focused on working a lot with these guys. But Kind of the difference of what has happened is I'm only working with a small handful, three to four wholesalers who are great wholesalers. They understand numbers. They understand the business. They know what I'm looking for. They trust me. I trust them. They understand that we're not here to waste each other's time. So that's gone phenomenally well. In the article I just wrote, I talked about some different ways that I work with these wholesalers. You know, sometimes I'll just pay them a fee up front. Sometimes if the deal is a little too tight, I might give them a percentage. I have one guy in particular who I'm helping pay for some of the marketing costs. And, you know, we do a not a 50-50 deal split, but we do a he gets paid a percentage when we when we sell the property. We just have that worked out. Uh, he understands that I will get all the properties that he has and it helps him because he doesn't need to worry about who's going to be his buyer. He doesn't need to worry about how he's going to finance them. He doesn't need to worry about how he's going to sell them or rehab them. He just, he knows all that part is going to be taken care of. So it's a really big win-win. In fact, I'm last Saturday, two days ago, we just met. We came over, went to the pier here in San Clemente, had a nice lunch, and then came over to the house and we just brainstormed on ways that we can really take things to the next level. And you know, we'll see how it goes. I'll keep you posted. Maybe if he if he lets me, <laughs> he might hear this and be like, hey, why are you giving away my secrets? No. But, uh, uh, you know, we just brainstorm about how can we take this to the next level? We talked about, you know, my company possibly funding more or all of the marketing expenses. We talked about hiring an assistant for him to help him with a lot of the paperwork. Uh, we just went through all these details uh, on ways that we can take things to the next level. And, uh, you know, I, in my mind, if we do it correctly, we can triple, quadruple, or, or even more the current amount of business, which we are currently doing. I mean, one small thing like that could cause my company to go from, you know, doing what we're currently doing to doing twice as much. So 
just want to throw that out there. You know, there's, I feel like, and this is what I told him as well. I feel like we're all so close um, in our business, wherever we're at, to making a breakthrough that can really change the dynamic of our business and really take things to a whole nother level. Um, so just so that I'm getting a little excited, getting a little carried away here, but uh, I just something I wanted to share with you guys. We are also exploring many other ways to buy houses. Uh, as you know, through some of the interviews we've had, I've been listening and learning from these guys as well. And we're just looking at many, many different paths of ways that we can acquire more properties in this market. Something else I forgot to mention is, you know, I wrote a 10 page, I recently wrote a 10 page document on the six ways that we've used over the past couple of years to purchase 200 houses. And I will also include that in the link. Um, it's currently on the website, you know, you can get it there, but I'll include it in the link so you can get it along with the other items as well. And that I just go through and I thought about how have we purchased houses in the last two years? And I go through all of it in detail, giving examples of ways that we've made it work and strategies we've used. So I hope you find that valuable. It took a long time to put together and um, a lot of people have gotten a lot out of it. So I hope you do as well. Okay, so moving right along to financing. You know, it's not to oversimplify it, but basically the way we're financing our deals is through private and hard money. A lot of times we will use both. We'll take a hard money lender who is willing to give us 80 to 85% of the purchase price. They will be the first and then we'll use what's called gap funding or a, a private money lender and they'll be the second. And uh, you know, that funds most of the deal or we'll use our own money for the gap funding. Um, that's a, another way we do it. Or sometimes we'll just use private money to cover the whole thing. We have recently gotten a couple uh, bank loans on properties, you know, that I consider long-term flips, uh, which basically they're, you know, we are putting tenants in them, even though it's not my favorite thing to do, but I just couldn't resist with the level of low financing I was able to get on those. And in a couple of years, if I feel like there's been some pretty good appreciation and I'm ready to sell, I'll go ahead and sell those. Or if the financing is great and things seem to be going well at the market, I might hold on to them a little bit longer. So that's one thing we've been doing. Uh, we are currently also looking into getting a line of credit. Uh, we're you know, talking to this bank about them giving us a $2 million line of credit. We would pay one point for the year and I believe right around 6% interest. And you know, we pay the point up front. And then for those of you who don't know, a point is equal to 1% and then 6% annualized on whatever amount of money that we're borrowing. Uh, we can, you know, we'll use the 2 million pretty quickly, I'm sure. So we won't be wasting that point. We'll be using all that money pretty quickly. And that would be a phenomenal uh, amount to be paying for capital. Just a couple months ago, even, I didn't think something like that was really possible. But once again, networking, you know, I was talking to some colleagues of mine and they have a line of credit that's pretty similar to that. And they gave me the contact information for a certain person and we contacted them. So don't give up on, you know, bank financing either. Um, it wouldn't be my main focus if you were new. Unless you have great, maybe you do have great credit and great income, so maybe it would be a main focus. But if you can't get bank financing, don't feel like you can't get financing. I'm just saying that is an additional thing that we are currently doing and pursuing in our business. Although creative financing isn't our main focus, we'd like to be aware of those opportunities, such as subject to, which means taking over the current payments. We just purchased a home, which, you know, when we ran the numbers based on what they owed, it just was too tight. The numbers just didn't make sense. Uh, but then we talked to the seller about possibly allowing us to take over her current payments, you know, buying the house subject to. And what that allowed us to do was between the points and interest that we saved, we we're able to save ten dollars to $15,000 on hard money costs, which allowed it to be just perfect. And it's allowing us to purchase this home. The seller is avoiding foreclosure. And then we're going to pay them a little something on the back end. So it's a huge win-win for everybody. And by using creative financing, we're able to do a deal that otherwise would not have been able to uh, accomplish. So I want to get back to private money really quickly. We pay uh, just about all of our private money lenders anywhere from 10 to 12% interest on their money. So when you compare that to you know, the bank or a CD or something like that. It's a pretty good return. They're secured with real estate, which they love. They get a note, which basically is kind of the contract that explains the terms, promises them what they're going to get paid. And what I do with them is because if you're getting paid a 12% interest payment, annualized interest payment, but then, you know, you have the money out for three to four months, you're getting paid interest on it. 
then you have it back for like two to three months until you figure out where else you're going to put it, your annualized return doesn't end up being 12%. So it ends up being like six or 7% just based on how often you have it out. So what I've done with my private money lenders is I will take that 12% money and we will move it from house to house. So this is a great technique. You do not want to let that money go because if you do, they'll find another place to invest it. So one of Vanessa's jobs is to constantly be finding a new spot for that capital. So they can continuously be getting that 12% return, which makes them happy. It makes us happy. Huge win-win. So that's a big tip for you there. The way we go about that is, you know, and, and you know, I'll admit it kind of has to do with the fact that we are doing a higher uh, volume. But what we will do is we'll you know, record their deed of trust against the property. And when we're about to close on that property, we'll go ahead and get another deed of trust ready for another property, which we will simultaneously record against the other property. And we'll uh, record their reconveyance on the current property at the same time. So they're always collateralized on their new property. Uh, it's just a huge win-win for everybody. And then we just continue to pay them that monthly 12% payment. So they're constantly just getting the 12% payment. And occasionally they have to fill a little bit of paperwork. You know, we do have a few investors who have decided, hey, I don't want to fill the paperwork. I trust you guys. Your company's rocking. Uh, let's just go with the note. And that works as well. And then they don't have to deal with the paperwork. They're getting paid their 12%. Everybody's happy. Huge win. Life is good. Okay, so on to rehabbing. Many of you know that I very rarely look at my houses, if at all. And that surprises a lot of people. But to me, it's just one of the ways that I'm able to free up more time to focus on my business and doing fun things like this podcast for you guys and the Housing HQ website. So basically, once we get a house under contract, either my agent or Vanessa or our contractor We'll go to the property, they'll confirm the repairs that we estimated. Then of course we close on the house, the contractors get going right away. I don't like to waste any time. I consider these houses like hot potato. The faster we can turn the property, the better return we're gonna have. The more money is gonna be made all around. The more, the happier we're gonna be, the happier our investors are going to be. So I really want them to get going right away. So believe it or not, we will let them get started even if they haven't set us a scope of work yet. Now, the reason why we're able to do that is we don't really haggle or negotiate with our contractors on virtually any of the houses that we do. We don't have to pick out paint colors, we don't have to pick out carpet, we don't have to pick out flooring, granite, cupboards, any of that stuff. We've done it enough times that they basically know exactly what we're gonna be using and we don't have to mess with going to Home Depot or any of that stuff to pick out anything that we're gonna use on our projects. Okay, I should say most of our projects. We do some higher end projects that we do get a little more involved in. Now, the reason why we don't have to haggle um, or get a scope of work ahead of time is because we use what I refer to as a price sheet for our contractors. Basically, we've made a prearranged agreement on exactly what they are gonna get paid for uh, painting, carpet, flooring, whatever. It's basically based on a per square foot. Uh, so if the house is 1500 square feet and you know, they're going to do paint, I know it's going to cost me $1 per square foot. And I know that includes two-tone, includes the ceilings, uh, includes everything I need. It's going to be 1500 bucks. Same with the outside, dollar per square foot, you know, includes the eaves and all that good stuff. And uh, it just really helps us. Same thing with the flooring, same thing with everything. It helps us take away all that haggling, which is a huge pain. They know what they're getting paid. We know what we're paying them. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So that's one of the things that we, we love to use. And okay, I know you're gonna ask, can you get that? And I'm kind of putting myself on the spot here. I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> we will also include that um, on the forms list, housewhippinghq.com slash forms, all lowercase. And we'll include that as well. Now. Disclaimer here, I mean, that's what, this is what we use. You make your own, make it your own. Just, I don't want anyone to just go and say, hey, here, here's your, your form sheet. But use that as a guide as to give you an idea of where you should be on your repairs and also something that you can create for your house flipping business. This also comes in really handy if we're ever trying to hire a new contractor. 
we can just ask them a few things over the phone. It takes a couple minutes rather than meeting with them, having them do a bid and taking hours and hours of both our and their time. We can very quickly find out if we're going to be in the same ballpark, at least price wise, before we ever even get going with any further questions and saved us ton, a ton of time. So regarding contractors, I like to work with, I work with two to three general contractors. I don't want to uh, mess with managing all the subs. I'd much rather them work with, work with them. What I found is I don't even actually have to pay them that much more money because they understand, we have an understanding that, look, you're going to get all of my business. You know, don't give me retail prices. Give me wholesale prices. You'll never have to look for work again. We'll keep you incredibly busy. Just give us great prices, make things easy for us. And it just, the less people that you have to manage, of course, the more time you're going to have. So even if it were a few bucks more, I wouldn't mind. It would far be worth our time. So that's how we like to do it. We work with two to three general contractors. One of them does most of our business. The other one is able to do about two to three jobs at a time. And then we've got a guy that we use on a as-needed basis, uh, especially in a certain location where he lives. When we get homes in that area, we'll have him uh, oversee those. Selling, fairly simple. You know, we put it on the MLS. If we're working with an agent who found us the property, uh, a lot of times we'll let them sell the property. If it's a property a wholesaler brought us and the numbers were tight, then you know, a lot of times we'll list it ourselves. And that helps us make that extra two to three percent, which allows the deal to really make sense for us. We always pay a professional photographer, you know, 100 to 150 bucks. Definitely makes it worth it. You want to make sure the description on the MLS is very detailed. I mean, you've put all this time and effort into it. Don't blow it by, you know, putting out some shoddy looking uh, listing. <laughs> make it look good. But selling properties does not need to be all that complicated. When I started out, I did so much to sell properties and I didn't realize that you know I didn't have to do all of that work. So that's what we do in our business. That's our personal preference. That's how we sell our properties, get them listed, get them negotiated, get them sold. Could go into more detail, but I'm short on time. And you know, this really is a pretty simple thing to do. So this is kind of how it all comes together. You know, I, we get a deal under contract through one of the methods, which I mentioned. Vanessa looks at that to make sure the numbers look right. She'll, you know, let our agent or contractors know. They get everything ready to go. They may, if we need to double check the numbers, we'll have a contractor go double check those numbers, just make sure everything's right. If we need to do an inspection, we'll do that. Close on the property, contractors get going right away. They do send us their bid and scope of work within two to three days. Vanessa looks it over using the price sheet checklist, just make sure everything looks good. If there's any small items that we need to go over that aren't standard, she goes over that with them. Really simple, get the house listed, get a buyer, get it sold, done. Vanessa also has an assistant who helps her with things like utilities and paperwork and managing escrows and just all the stuff that takes a lot of time, uh, but we don't wanna have her focus on. Whenever we're working with an agent, we also really like to utilize them as much as we possibly can. I mean, we will have them do our final walkthrough. If the property was occupied, they'll do the cash for keys for us. We'll have them go check on the property from time to time if that's needed. If uh, you know the contractor got something done we need to check on, we'll have them go. Our contractors are pretty good. They've worked with us quite a while, so we don't usually need to do that. They usually nail it. But if we do, we have them go do that. So we really utilize them as much as we can. Same with bird dogs we've used in the past. You know, We have them do as much of the legwork as we possibly can. As far as tracking everything goes, although in the future I'll probably get one, I don't really even use a software. Uh, I use, for me personally, you know, Vanessa has her checklist that she uses to make sure that we have every itemized uh, item taken care of. But I like to look at what's called, I, I call it myself, a deals at a glance. And I can just see the process that every house is in, what step of the process it's in, whether it is currently occupied and someone's being evicted or cash for keys. We don't have to evict many uh, people whether it's being rehabbed, whether it's sold, in escrow, closed, we're finalizing accounting on it. I can just go through and quickly see where every property is. And then if I have any questions, I can easily ask Vanessa, hey, what's going on in this property? She can get me the update. 
And it's kind of a quick way I can look at the business from a bird's eye view and just make sure everything is running smoothly. And of course, if you are interested uh, in getting a copy of that, I will also include that on the forms list. I think I've repeated it 10 times, but one last time, housewhippinghq.com slash forms. We'll have all those forms there for you. Not sure how long I'll keep them up, a week or so, but you know that should be plenty of time. If you listen to this in the future, shoot me an email and I'll uh, you know, try to still get those for you. All righty. Well, that was a ton of information. I hope you got it all. I hope you're not, you know, too overwhelmed or lost. If you have any questions at all, please leave them um, in the comments section. You can go to housewhippinghq.com slash episode eight. Uh, and any questions you have for me, I'll be more than happy to dive into it. You know, for the most part, like I've mentioned before, I'm a strong believer in abundance. That's why I do all this. I put it out there. I believe that even though, you know, to a degree, I may be creating some additional competition for myself, I believe that overall, my business will be, and I've actually already started to happen, overall, uh, my business will be better off because of it. I'll make more great relationships, be able to buy more houses, get more investors. It's just a great way to do business, to be able to help other people and improve uh, your own business and personal situation as well. It's just, it's just a great way to live. I also want to thank everyone who's rated and reviewed the podcast. It just means so much to us. And it's probably by far the best way you can say thank you if you're getting any value out of this. Would really appreciate it. Go to housewhippinghq.com slash subscribe. Or now you can also go to housewhippinghq.com slash podcast. Leave us a rating and review. Five stars would be awesome. Shoot me an email once you've done that. And like I mentioned on the last episode, we'll be more than happy to send you the free gift of the presentation I gave a couple weeks ago at SDIC Club uh, here in San Diego. I will send that over. It was a great presentation. Gotten some great feedback from it. Hope you get a ton out of it. And like I said, more than anything, it just really means a lot to us. All right. Well, that is it for today. I hope you got a lot out of it. And hopefully we can get Danny Johnson, house flipping junkie, on the next call to teach us all about wholesaling, how he runs his wholesaling business. Right now, I've got to give him a call. Break the bad news. Arr. Anyway, what can you do? But I'm glad I gave us an opportunity to talk some more. Really glad I got to share a little more about my business with you. Get out there. Keep crushing it. Take some action. Let us know how you're doing. And we will see you on the flip side. This has been the House Flipping HQ podcast. Your, your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Check out amazing tutorials, blogs, how-tos, and other inspiring podcasts with house flipping experts at houseflippinghq.com. Houseflippinghq.com.